This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network. I'm Pamela Escobar. In each Do Good Charlotte podcast, you will find out who's helping, who could use a helping hand, and just how you can spread around your own good. In this episode, we're partnering with Share Charlotte to introduce you to an organization that recognizes the power of partnership. There are plenty of nonprofits around Charlotte focused on helping students get to college and graduate from it. But in the last few years, they've realized they could put all of their leadership and resources together to help students in a more intentional and powerful way. The Crescent Coalition connects eight local organizations. Together, they help students on their journey from middle school all the way to successful careers. To tell you how it works, we brought in three major players in this. Ian Joyce from Gen 1, Maria Diaz from Carolina Youth Coalition and Crescent Coalition, and Jerry and Karakis of the Equitable Foundation. Thank you for coming to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you for having having us. Yay. Okay, so we're going to start off with the Crescent Coalition. Uh... Maria, can you explain how you guys brought all these organizations together? Who had the idea? Where did that come from? Oh, it's actually a really cool story. But Erin Randolph from Carolina Youth Coalition and Dr. Freeland from the Freeland Foundation, they were just having conversations about how they had students that were served by both organizations, but they didn't have a clue of what did they, what did each organization do with the student? And they didn't know that how involved one student in Charlotte could be connected to all these community-based organizations at once. And so that led them both to think, we need to be working together. We need to know how each of us are serving these students and figure out how we can impact that and make that more sustainable at a larger scale. And so in 2019, they started, COVID happened, and it put a pause on that. And then in 2021, they brought it again to leading on opportunity and, and said, I think we need some some kind of structural support to get these organizations in Charlotte doing college access work to get just the conversation started, see what can happen. Um, they didn't know what it was going to be today, but the fact that like now it is what it is, it's, it's really cool to see that. We started in 2021, just conversations with uh, these awesome eight college access organizations, and then eventually it led to just more structure, more governance, and a lot of buy-in from all these EDs. And so really the credit is to them to for seeing that long-term impact that it could have um, and showing up to every meeting to have these conversations about how is this going to be, how is it going to be sustainable and how are we going to put our egos to the side, our individual organizations to the side to ultimately serve students in, in Charlotte. And so we're now in 2023. So two years in February was our first meeting of 2021. So that's coming up to two years. And it's been since then, the EDs have done a lot of work to get it to what it is today. That's awesome. Uh, we're in Charlotte. Yes. So everybody in Charlotte, most people understand what the Crescent is, but explain what the Crescent is for people listening, just in case they're new to the area and they don't know what we're referring to. The Crescent is referring to like this pattern of uh, impact of segregation in Charlotte, where a lot of low income folks, people of color were really pushed to a um, a crescent moon almost around the, uh, the, ra- the ring of the city, around the inner, inner Charlotte. And then there was a wedge of where like wealthier folks and a lot of affluent white folks ended up living. And, and there, to, to this day, I think there was a new um, article that came out from Axios that actually showed like the crescent's been broken up a little bit because of gentrification and like the impacts of, of that in neighborhoods. So Okay. So yeah, so I just wanted to highlight that, that when we say the crescent, we're, we're trying to help people or you're trying to help people who um, 
historically within this group. Yes. Correct. So um, we just heard from Ian from Gen 1. That okay. was um, that was who was explaining that. So talk about Gen 1. Um, I, I know a little bit about this organization. I think you guys are <laughs> fabulous. But for people who are listening, Thanks. who's who's Gen 1? And, and, and how are you helping these students? Yeah, so Gen 1 Charlotte, um, we partner with talented first-generation students from underserved communities and help them navigate into and through college. Our program begins in middle school, and then we follow students all the way through college graduation. Uh, we have three cohorts of students that are in college right now, so we have about 60 students that are in college, and about 82, 83% are attending college debt-free. That's uh, what we're most proud of. That's, yeah, debt-free, that's a lot of people like that. Um, and they should. I mean, th there's only 19% of four-year universities are affordable right now in the U.S. And so um, helping students find that funding, that's the number one thing that they're thinking about in middle school. So when I got started as a teacher, I was running into kids that were like, oh, I can't go to college. It's too much money. I'm like, oh, you just don't know what you don't know. Like, And I didn't know how to even find that funding. So I wanted to help connect that. I didn't want to just like teach history. I wanted to help students find a pathway that could lead to hopefully better outcomes for them and economic mobility if they were experiencing, um, you know, if they were in a low income situation or uh, a marginalized person. Because it's one thing to expose kids to the idea that you could go to college, but it's another thing to be like, but this is how you can afford to do it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's awesome that you're, you're doing that and you're helping so many students. So Maria, um, does your organization do the same thing? Yes. So I'm part of, I, I, full, I work full-time for Carolina Youth Coalition. Okay. And CYC serves uh, high-achieving under-resourced students to and through college. And it's very similar to what Gen, Gen 1 does, which is why Crescent Coalition is so good, because a lot of us are not trying to serve the same student or not trying to, like, consistently fight for the same students. We understand we have expertise in different areas. And CYC is, is very much where we try to uh, serve students so that they can find the best fit school for them with as little debt as possible. And so similar to like Gen 1, CYC has 78% of their college students are going to graduate from college debt-free. And so the goal is to have them just be exposed to how it is to be on campus, what it is to be a first-gen student on a full ride or having everything funded for you and be able to graduate without debt. But also then that means that you're going to graduate and have a better economic uh, mobility and upward mobility than your parents and your family. And then that's going to change that generational uh, cycle that we want to impact. And so it's... And it's just awesome yeah. to get to like talk to... Aaron Randolph at CYC yeah. and, and Maria right here. Like there's so much community that comes from the Crescent Coalition. Like there's a, there's a, I think it gets lonely mm -hmm. when you're in a nonprofit world. Like it's yeah. set up to be independent. You have always independently operating boards and you're this independent organization outside of all the systems and structures. And so, especially as a leader, you feel really lonely sometimes. And I feel like I've gotten a lot of community from the executive director. So it's really also supported me like emotionally through like my transition from like teaching where you have like 50 co-workers who are all teachers with you and then all of a sudden you're an ed and you're like I'm, I'm, I'm scared to talk to that person should i talk to them like what do i do yeah. so it's been great so ed is executive director yeah, yes. and no that's okay uh, um but just so people understand the the jargon that's happening yeah, too jargon there yeah um so so explain with the Car carolina youth um coalition uh your students Okay, you have your students. What does the program look for them? Are you pushing into the classroom? Are they coming once a month? Um, do they have a mentor? Like, what is? Yes. How does it? What does it look like? Yeah. So we serve ninth grade students all the way to college graduation into employment or post secondary, depending on the student. Uh, and we focus really on them on a lot of character development, 
standardized testing, tutoring, uh, writing assistance, finding that best fit college that is means for them. And then um, we focus now a lot more too on their social emotional uh, and self-efficacy. And we want them to not only are you intelligent enough to get on campus, but like you're also but you also can achieve what you want. It's about mindset. And so we, we at CYC are saying a lot about we're just changing mindsets and that's really where it's at. And we expose students to different career paths. We expose students to understand that standardized testing is not often a time, like a reflection of your intelligence. Amen. It's mm-hmm. just, you just don't <laughs> yeah. have access to the tutoring and all the other stuff that influent families have. And so getting them to understand that there's a lot more in your control of what type of outcomes you can have and not more so your what people have told you your potential is or what you think your intelligence is. It's the world is yours. You just got to like ask and advocate and push for yourself. And so we teach our kids to just ask, ask. Everything is in your control. So I, I'm I'm feeling this energy that that's who you are. You're yes. an ask. You do. You do. So Maria, tell me a little bit about you. What's your background? How did you get involved? Yeah. Uh, I So CYC has been a change for me in my leadership and then in my trajectory for what I do. I was an immigrant of Mexico or I immigrated from Mexico when I was four. I come from a family of 14. So it's seven brothers, seven boys, seven girls. Okay. It's a massive family. Um, it's a lot. Same parents. Everybody asks me if it's from the same parents. Oh. Same parents. Um, Where are you in the line, though? Are you I'm in the 11th, middle? so I'm, I have oh, three younger brothers, and okay. I'm the youngest girl. Um, and we landed in Hendersonville, North Carolina, went to Bury. I don't know if you have heard of Bury. I always preach on that school because it's a full ride. It serves uh, students that make under 60K or our first generation, but very they have an income requirement. Uh, and then they graduate students. Most of the graduates of Berea end up not being able to send their kids there because they've done, they make more than what the requirements mm-hmm. for income. And they have first-generation students, 68% of their graduation rate, which in some standards, it seems low. But considering the students that they serve, that's a really high um, yeah. uh, rate. And then I ended up going to Teach for America, taught seventh grade science for two years. And I realized I love education and I love working with students, but the red tape of public education, I, it wasn't where I flourished. And then I went back to graduate school at UNCC, did a master of public health and epidemiology. And then uh, I volunteered for CYC. Loved it because what CYC does is they pair high school students, especially in their senior year, with a community member that volunteers as a mentor. And that person that person or community member stays with that student for all year long. Mm. They work on college applications. They work on scholarship applications. It's really that one-on-one support that a lot of, our st- that a lot of students may not have, especially as first-generation students. And then they find that best fit school. And so I volunteered to be one. I was matched with a student. Aaron remembered, and he's like, Maria, you need to come work with me. And so after I graduated from my MPH, I went to CYC, and I've been there for four and a half years now. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Love so it. So your, your student the, that you're mentoring, where are they now? So one is at Berea, um, and another one graduated with her associates, and she's in doing a, a healthcare administration is her goal. One of them is an undocumented student. And she got the Dream US scholarship, and she's now at Eastern Connecticut State University on a full ride. So, but that's and that goes with the story of undocumented students. They think they there's no path for them. And organizations like Gen One, organizations like CYC, it's breaking all of that. Like as an undocumented student, you can go to school, and, yeah, and we can find the funding for it too. And so, getting the students to understand that there's money out there and there's opportunities is about just finding it. 
Right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about money. So let's bring yes. Jarian into the conversation. <laughs> so Jarian, explain um, what how your organization works with all these um, other uh, nonprofits. Yes. Uh, proud to partner with Crescent Coalition, uh, Maria and Ian and so many others that are doing amazing work with students here in our community. To answer your question, here's you know, the basics of it is um, we all from, you know, that have been in Charlotte for some time are aware of Rod Chetty's opportunity insights around economic mobility and how Charlotte was last of major cities as it related to economic mobility. That was shocking for some, but for some of us, us that are in the communities, that was not a shock. Um, a lot of work has been put in place in this community to address what was news in 2014. And that was really the birth of leading on opportunity, which obviously is um, kind of the umbrella around the Crescent Coalition. So in my role at Equitable Foundation, as we want to provide pathways for students to obtain post-secondary access, it was a no-brainer to start with leading on opportunity, learn more about Crescent Coalition. From there, I was introduced to the different organizations, and I said, this is where I believe strongly that we can have an impact as an organization. Um, this is a very heavy banking town. Um, most of those banks that are traditional banks with checking and savings and home loans and car loans, you know, they are regulated. Uh, they have requirements, Community Re Reinvestment Act in particular. Uh, Jimmy Carter put that into play in 1977. And so they have to go into the communities and try to provide opportunities for all classes from different communities. At Equitable, we're not that traditional bank. We provide retirement, financial planning, employee benefits. There are things that we do, a really noble purpose. It fits nicely with helping students find pathways to college. And so we support these organizations. And, and you know, this team, I drive them crazy because <laughs> it's not you know, we want it to be different. We don't want to just give a grant, get out of the way and report to us in a year. We want to roll up our sleeves and be in the trenches with these organizations and make sure that we are engaging with and um, mentoring and have a relationship with these students. We know it's not enough. You can spend money to your blue in the face and it won't solve these generational problems in our city and in other, you know, this is public policy stuff. Um, the impact and the difference comes when you really invest the time. And so I feel like a vehicle, yes, there's funding and that's important. And this team will tell you that's important. But I think where we differentiate as an organization is we're really engaged. We're hosting students. We're engaging with students. We're meeting them. You're mentoring. You're, you're the volunteers. Listen, you're helping out. We know um, how valuable social capital is. Right. So these students can get all the mechanics and blocking and tackling. And here's how I apply to college. And this is what a college tour is. And these are the questions to ask. But if they go back and they're just being able to circle around their neighborhood, we know that that's not going to lead to a economic mobility. So anytime I can um, incorporate our employees, um, make them understand and become advocates for this work. Yes, I want them to volunteer. Yes, I want them to be involved. But maybe um, more strategically and more impactful is that they go back into their spheres of influence and talk about how important this work is, yeah. not just funding, but involvement. And so um, it's been 
the role of a lifetime for me as a first-generation college student, as someone that grew up from lower socioeconomic means, didn't have a lot of guidance. I was blessed to be around friends whose parents looked after me, friends who were doing the right things, going to college. So that's naturally what you kind of gravitate towards. Had it not been for that, my life would look a lot different. So I'm really passionate about this work and providing inspiration and insight to those that perhaps have a similar background as I had growing up. Well, I think that's awesome. I want to add something to Yeah, I was going to say what you want to add probably is that even though they're helping, they're not dictating. Yes. And I think that that's what makes Equitable Foundation, I think, a perfect partner for Crescent Coalition because – you think of the EDs and Crescent Coalition, they're not where they're at because they were agreeable or they went with whatever worked. And, and let's just do the basic. Let's see what the bare minimum does. And so Jerrion comes into this. Equitable Foundation comes into this. And it's perfect because they're Jerrion, I think especially Equitable, is really lucky to have Jerrion because he is very much of you're the one working with the kids. You see them every day. You know what they need. And so... What do you need? What works? What do you think your students will benefit? Where will the impact be? And then we trust you that that's what you say is important. And then go create it and Equitable will be there. Whether it, obviously funding is important, um, but then volunteers, where's the help? Where's the need? How can we expose uh, our students to the, how he said, social capital? And so it's not just giving. But a lot of funders in Charlotte, I think that's how they work. It's very much, we know what's best. And then here's the money to throw this event or have this best practice model and then tell us when you're done with the 100,000 we gave and then did it work or not. And if it doesn't work, it's to the, it's the ED did, didn't do well or the uh, community-based organization didn't do it well. And that's not going to ever work. And so the way that Equitable comes into it is we'll let you be the dictators of how things should be happening and here's the money and then come back to us with the positive stories of the students. And they show up and support too. Had, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Jaren had Gen 1 out last year and we got to have our kids go up there and like learn from all their employees, network with them. I know CYC just had an event with Equitable to be there and network with employees. And he came out to the Gen 1 house and was checking out an event, taking pictures, brought one of his interns there. He came to our boot camp and was like, I want to see what's going on at this boot camp you're doing. Like, love this essay work that y'all are doing with kids. Like, um, he had brought some videographers out to lift up the work. So uh-huh. we got like some video, some video stuff out of it too. Like he's, he really like wraps around and says, how can I, how can I really support you? And what do you need? Like Maria said, that's trust-based philanthropy. He's been practicing it probably before it was like a really big catchphrase yeah. in, in the philanthropy space. Yeah. And it, and it comes from respect. I, I just think yeah. organizations that work well together are communicating well, listening well, yeah. um, helping each other, not, not butting heads. And so. also the importance of having like people whose experiences are reflective of the communities that yeah. we work with in a funding seat is critical. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's take a break right here. And when we get back, we can help listeners learn more about how they can connect with you guys. you turn to stay in touch with the city around you broadcast news isn't what it used to be and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch if only there was one place you could get it all when you want wherever you want on your schedule there is the queen city podcast network listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts Before the break, 
Ian was talking about how you guys came in and brought a videographer and lifted up the boot camp and all those kinds of things. What other examples do you have with other organizations in the Crescent Coalition that you've helped out? You know, we love the opportunity to memorialize and, and create a story. You know, the old adage, like, I can show you better than I can tell you. And so some of it is self-serving because I want to bring my leadership, my internal stakeholders, colleagues, I show them and they want to be involved with it. It's exciting. And uh, we'll make sure you all have the links to to watch some of that uh, work online. But, you know, just last night we hosted 55 seniors from Carolina Youth Coalition. We called it a networking dinner and scholarship discussion. At Equitable since 2003, we've offered a scholarship for high school seniors. We've helped over 7,000 students matriculate to college. And so that application period is open now through December 18th. So last night's event was twofold. The networking component, it's really good for these high school seniors to get in the habit and understand the importance of looking people in the eye, your elevator pitch, asking questions, engaging with dialogue. They got to do all that. We had a nice dinner. They got to put into practice some etiquette training that they'd learned uh, through some funding we provided so that the students are equipped to handle what is coming as they go to college and start their careers um, and I think the most, you know, one of the most important pieces of last night, too, was to be able to educate the students on the Equitable Excellence Scholarship and where they apply and why finding funding for college is so important. Um, that's one example because that was most recent. We have some college tours planned with Gen 1 in a couple of weeks to Atlanta. I think what's really important about this is that these organizations that are part of Crescent Coalition, it's not just let me give you the tools to go to college. But no, it's like, let me provide expertise and resources that we find the best fit. We don't want you to just go to college to go to college. And then you come out with a bunch of debt. You don't know what you want to major in. And you know what happens there. They are so intentional about working with their students to find those great opportunities and find those meaningful uh, areas of study that that you know, they have a passion for. Um, Road to Hire is another great example. We co-presented at the National College Attainment Network Conference just last week in Dallas. 1,500 practitioners that are helping students gain access to college from across the United States were here at this conference. Equitable was the sponsor. Um, we had a breakout session with Road to Hire and talked about our FAFSA completion work. All right. So the federal application for student aid is such an important part of the work of the Crescent Coalition. Um, pandemic related things, you know, they said in the class of 22, they left $3.6 billion of federal aid on the table. So guess how important it is that the Crescent Coalition, Road to Hire, Gen 1, CYC, Wayfinders, all of these great organizations, and, and we'll talk about some more of them, really um, being intentional with the students to say, completing your FAFSA is like a really great start to figuring out how going to college is going to be affordable and not saddle you with debt. So a lot of the resources that I provide Crescent Coalition and the individual organizations is around college tours. We know how important efficacy is. You got to see it to believe it. So when these students go to colleges and see people that look like them and perhaps have the same background or from some of the same plus that's that places, that is so important. So we are very intentional that we earmark funding for college tours, FAFSA, Completion is so important. Ian mentioned some college essay work that our grant with Gen 1 provides uh, their ability to provide to students. Listen, I could go on and on. 
We know the Supreme Court decisions this summer around race-based admissions. This is going to perhaps have an impact most notably on students from lower socioeconomic black and brown. So the Crescent Coalition and their intentional work in these organizations, we know this is going to have impact. And so it's really important uh, at Equitable that that's something that uh, we provide resources towards and support any way we can. That's awesome. Maria, so tell us about, um, there's eight organizations. So we want to make sure that we list all of them. So what are they? So yes, so we have Carolina Youth Coalition, we have Gen 1, who are on the table, and then Guardhouse, <laughs> Wayfinders, Road to Hire, um, Road, and then the Academy of Go Achievers and Freeland Foundation. And so all of those are really, they're, lo they're, they're local to Charlotte, but also there's they're, the founders are the EDs uh, for most of them. And I want to make a few comments about what Jerrion mentioned. Two things. Um, I think Equitable is good because they understand their responsibility and what they have to do for the students to provide access. But also these partners that, that Jerrion works with in, in Crescent Coalition are also really good at understanding that part of the journey in preparing kids is not just about sending them to school, making sure they graduate from college, and then we're done and we did our work and they get a competitive job or employment and they make a lot of money. That We hope they make a lot of money. But... That's not the goal. I think we also understand that for a student to be successful, they have to understand how they're going to fit into the culture of, the, of their campus. They have to understand the importance of social mobility and like, who do you know uh, is really more important than what, what you know. And then training them for stuff like this, preparing them for dinners. So when you come and meet somebody, how do you give a handshake? How do you introduce yourself? Do you have LinkedIn? And do you know how to have small talk? It's so important. And so these partners all understand that uh, to support students, you have to holistically see them and you have to holistically support them. And it's not just about sending them to college. And I think, well, I, yeah, oh, go. sorry, I was going to say, I think that's it right there. Like that's what these Crescent Coalition organizations are doing. That's different. A guardhouse, um, the Academy of Goal Achievers, Urban Promise, um, us, CYC, Freeland Foundation. We have, we're trusted adults. We're trusted and, and we're building communities of trusted peers that are going to get the students, build a community support behind them to get them across what their finish line is and whatever that goal is. And I think finding that best match, it takes a trusted adult. You know, Gem One hosted over 250 one-to-one -one advising sessions with students last year. And that was just for seniors and some juniors. That's not even counting all the academic advising we're doing in eighth grade through 10th grade. We had a hundred percent FAFSA completion rate. And so uh, most of these Crescent Coalition organizations have a hundred percent FAFSA completion rate because that unlocks institutional aid at colleges. Right. How much money do you think, how much money, how many scholarships overall do you think come from colleges versus the community if you had to put percentages on it? Oh, college versus the community? Yeah. How many of, what percentage of scholarships do students get from the community versus from the colleges themselves? Oh, I have no idea. Colleges are like 70 to 75% of all financial aid is hosted at the institutions. Okay. You can't access that without take, doing the FAFSA. Right. And, and so it's like people just think, oh, there's so much money out there in the community. It's like, well, kind of. Actually, more the money is out there at the colleges and universities. So do your FAFSA. Right. And even and, and it doesn't have to be a public school. It can yeah. be a private school. Private schools have money. Yep. Um, you can have sticker shock. But if you go through this, and then there's also, I'm sure you guys teach people this too, is like you can use your um, uh, 
acceptances from different places and then yeah. you pit yeah. the deals against each other yeah, and then you exactly. figure out but it's then like, you're picking now you're in charge right. of it right when you have that advisor working with you to say what are your competitive schools what are your you know reach schools what are your likely schools and now you have this holistic package of getting that that best fit the last thing i'll mention is that you know the fast fit is a great start but in the 1970s you know it used to pay for over 60 percent of your college education it's barely paying for 30 percent now and so and that's a back to what jerry said about public policy policy issues causing a lot of these social ills. And in terms of like accessing that aid at college, it's just really important to, to get that done. The last thing I'll mention is that the Chetty came out with another report that social capital in 2022, oh, that yeah. social mm -hmm. capital is like the number one way that students can access economic mobility. So we've, we're actually making some adjustments to our navigator program that it's not just like one-to-one -one mentorship for like our high school students, but that it's more based around like social capital development and mentorship around how to, how to create that network and how to build that social capital. Well, and, and I'm just thinking about my own kids and, and, talking to them about where you're picking to go to school. Part of that is social capital as well. Like if you know where you want to live, if you know what you want to do, picking a, picking a school that has an excellent program in that um, will help you connect with the right people yeah. when you're studying, when you're in it together. Yeah. So then when you get out, you know, how do you find jobs? It's who yeah. you know, it's right? Who it's you know. who you know, how you talk to someone, all that. So what I love about your organizations is, is that um, some people – might say to get into a college, you just have to have good grades. It's way more complicated. Way more. Than it really that. is. And people don't realize that if you're not Gen 1, if you had the benefit of a family, uh, other people, examples, um, you're learning that without realizing that you're learning that. Yeah. Um, and, and the people who are supposed to provide that in the public schools, the counselors, we have completely underfunded yeah. counselors. So there's not enough counselors in the school building. It's a, almost a 400 to one ratio. The national recommendation since the 1960s has been 250 to one. Even that is probably too high. That's They're nuts. doing IEPs, 504s. It's... They're the only mental health responders on campus. And we know what the youth mental health crisis is right now. How are they? And, grad, and registration and then graduation rates, but that's the big push. That's how schools are graded. How are they supposed to help a first generation student who's never been through the college process? do all of that. And that's the value of the Crescent Coalition working together. Yeah, all comes I will, back to I will the value add that, of that. Um, to the counselor point, they have great intentions. They're in that profession because they care about students. Oh, there's amazing but people. When you have schools. 400 students to one counselor, so you're thinking just, all right, if I have to prioritize what's important for these kids, I have to give them school list. I have to give them scholarship list. Here you go, go and do like you're, they're hoping that the student will then take initiative and do their part. Mm -hmm. But for where we work with, where we, these Crescent Coalition partners and then just any college access organization in Charlotte fills that gap is we have really positive, trustful relationships with students and then they trust what we say. And then they do it not only for themselves, but they're like, I have this organization that is expecting me to do this and like achieve my dreams or fulfill my potential. And so I have this obligation to do that for them and for myself. But that's relationships. You, yes. It's like, like yeah. I'm dependent on you. You're dependent yeah. on me. I'm going to do this for you. You're holding me accountable. Yeah. I mean, it's just the natural way things work. Yeah. Um, like I think about Jerrion's FAFSA completion rate with Road to Hire and then CYC has 100% FAFSA completion. But if if Jerrion were to go into the students himself and that, like through Equitable Foundation and ask, listen, I need you to complete FAFSA, he will not even get to like 20% completion rate with FAFSA. Because right. you They're not going to do it. Yes. Right. It's so important. It's so and, important. Uh, I wanted to underscore, uh, you know, as Ian was talking about just 
this model and the flexibility. It's not like, hey, we've been doing it one way for 25 years. He saw this most recent study from Raj Chetty around the importance of your social networks and they are making adjustments. Yep. And in, you know, we talk about Raj Chetty a lot because he's like the forefather of this. I mean, his stuff is unbelievable. Yeah. He's actually coming to UNC Charlotte on November 14th. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait to see him. But in that, in this most recent research, um, nothing we don't know as practitioners and our people that are in it, but like he analyzed 72 million uh, Facebook users age 25 to 44. And a lot of amazing findings. You got to go find their research. But like, it was no surprise to learn through that, that, you know, these um, networks of friends are based on class. And you see it in your neighborhood, right? The groups yeah. that the, the Charlotte Latin families hang out with the Charlotte Latin families and that, you know, and impact, that's cool. Impact segregation. But it's yeah. just like, it's like modern day, you, you know, it's unfortunate uh, in some respects, but not dismissing how great of a school that is. But what I'm saying is if you're not born into that lucky club, that network, yeah. how do you get out of that? Right. And, um, or how do you break in? Yeah. And, and what yeah. is, what the other piece that his study said that was again, not surprising to me because I've lived it, but like, you know, the theory around people f- with higher socioeconomic means meet their friends in college mm-hmm. and those that, you know, are just continuing to struggle paycheck to paycheck, don't make a living wage their social networks are their neighbors Mm. and it duh. But for those that aren't in this work, I think it's important to just make sure that is coming to the surface and how important this work is for our community. So how do we help with this work? Where do I go? How do I go online? Where do I look up all the things? So this is what, so it's important to um, Crescent Coalition can serve so many students. The way to help Crescent Coalition is for the philanthropy world in Charlotte is massive. So come in, be patient enough to support Crescent Coalition. It supports eight other organizations. So you're getting high value for your money. Um, but be patient enough to put in the funding and wait for things to happen because CYC serves 400 plus students. But with you add Gen 1, when you add Urban Promise, now you're serving 1,000, 2,000 students in one program. But you have to be patient for that to happen every year. And so this shameless plug for Crescent Coalition is we have a website. If you put Google's, Google Crescent Coalition, you will see there our, our mission, our criteria for membership, things we've done together that Ian can talk about, the most recent one for uh, CFNC night. Uh, and then you'll have photos of collectively what our students look like and stories that we have. Uh, most recently, we're about to do a story on a student that is part of Urban Promise, Carolina Youth Coalition, and Wayfunders. Uh, to tell her story of how she has all the little gaps are filled by being a part of these three different mm-hmm. students, uh, these three different organizations. Go visit the website. Whether you're trying to be a member, you can reply there, or you're trying to just learn how you can fund the Crescent Coalition. That's a great way to start. Or if you have, this is also a shameless plug for CYC and all the other college access organizations. If you have a, a personal um, just tied to an individual organization. You can also go to the Crescent Coalition on the website. You'll have the partners on there and their mission statements, and it will also lead you to their individual website. So you could also go and just learn about an organization and go sponsor them and work with them, whether you're volunteering or funding. Okay. Yeah. So 
volunteering or funding. Yeah. Those are they're going to be eight organizations that have yes. all these opportunities that you could you could be a part of. So I'm going to Google Crescent Coalition yeah. because I might spell Crescent wrong, I might spell Coalition wrong. It might be easier if I just do that. So I'm going to find you guys and I can read all the stuff and if I want to donate, I can hit donate. If I want to volunteer, I can and volunteer. Um I want to thank you guys so much for being here today. Uh I I I think it's awesome that Good people can come together and see how they benefit one another. And that's what you guys are doing and doing it in, in, a, in a great way. So thank you so much. If you know someone else like Jerrion, Maria, or Ian who are doing good in our community, let me know. Tell me about someone or a nonprofit organization that should be heard on Do Good Charlotte. Reach out to me, Pamela Escobar, on social media. I'm Reporter Pam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or X. Or go to the Queen City Podcast Network page and fill out the contact form for Do Good Charlotte. A big thanks to to share Charlotte. Make sure you use the hashtag DoGoodCLT and head to ShareCharlotte.org to find nonprofits looking for your help. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.